bless the God of truth. Mm. Don't let us be deceived, Lord Jesus. But open up our understanding so we can be truthful with ourselves. For your heavenly presence to abide with us and in us to come to know Jesus who we are in you not dependent on anything anyone or any substance to give us hope but our hope comes from Jesus Christ who is the author and the finisher of our faith God I implore your presence here to convict believers to walk in your grace and then in their salvation and prayerful, prayerfully that unbelievers will come to know you. God, how we need you more now than we've ever need you before. Mm. We glory in your presence. And in the name of Jesus. Father, whatever is done in secret, I pray that you will reveal it in the name of Jesus. Give me peace so that the things that you speak to me will be the things that I will say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, um, we're in Colossians chapter 3. We're in a new chapter. Chapter 3, and, and I think we're going to go from verses 1 through 17 prayerfully. And the title of, of this study is called, You Are Above, Not Beneath. Okay, so I'm going to read the scriptures and then we're going to go back and dissect them, okay? And it says, If you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Oh, God, there's so much stuff in here, but I'm going to wait and come back, okay? <laughs> it says, set your affections, or another word for that is set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetedness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, 
bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all, these things put on charity, and we know another word for that is love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so we're going to go back to verse 1. And it says, if you then be, which is, really, therefore, based on chapter 2, verse 20, which says that you are dead in Christ. So then if you being dead in Christ, okay, then uh, uh, which is due to your salvation, you must realize that your freedom from sin didn't end you were taken, it is not just about your freedom from sin, but you were taken from something. And when we are taken from something, then we go to something else. And the good news, the something else that we have to go to is something new, which is in Christ. Amen. So we were taken from a life of sin, which was another kind of death. But now that we're in Christ and we are mortifying our bodies to die to that death, to those sins, we are now in a new life. We were taken from the old and brought to the new. And after salvation, there is no, if after salvation there is no change, my question is, are you really saved? Okay, salvation is more than a guarantee of eternal life. It is more of a ticket to eternal life. And how you use that ticket determines the eternal life, which begins on earth. We're waiting to all die. No, we're supposed to experience eternal life on this side of heaven. Jesus' blood not only freed us from sin, but it cleansed us from sin and its power. So we, we focus on the fact that we've been free from sin, but we need to begin to focus on the fact that we were not just free from sin, we have been cleansed. That means we're a whole different being. We're a whole different person. We're not who we used to be. And it's so important for us to get that because we walk in the same old nature. I guess looking for this change to be magical. So when we willingly stay as the old man and do not feel that it is necessary to change, what are we saying to Jesus? 
Think about that. Jesus came to suffer, and a kind of suffering none of us can comprehend, least long endure. But he came to suffer to pay for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins. And he, he allowed his blood to be shed so that that blood would be a cleansing factor for our blood. And we come to salvation not expecting anything different other than it's acknowledged that you belong to a church. Come on, let's think about this, okay? It's far greater than that. But when, but when we bring it down to that lowest denominator, then we have no true commitment to who we become and to our Messiah. Because then everything else becomes far more important in our lives and take top precedence over what we say we are committed to. Our priorities are upside down. You, we treat our walk with Christ like it's an extracurricular activity and our life on earth is, is, is a predominant major priority. It's the reverse. It's the reverse. And we have to get that understanding, not just so that you can live in eternity with Christ, but that you can live here with a peace that's beyond all understanding. The Bible tells us to make our election sure and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And you see, once we get saved, it's, it's not like it's um, a microwave. Now I'm changed. Woo, hallelujah, Jesus. No, it takes labor. It takes work. That's why the Bible tells us to make your election sure, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's, it, it is work to do that. And, and I'm not talking about serving in ministry. The work is working on us. That's the labor. Because we have to be conscious and aware of the things that are in us in order for God to change it. Because he's just not going to change it because you thought of the change. He's only going to change it because he sees your heart when you are striving, when you're crying out, when you're depending on the Holy Spirit. You're asking him to help you to overcome things that you are aware of. But first of all, be uh, honest and be aware. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above not on things on the earth. So, okay, that means that we have to take off our previous personality. See, when I said it's labor, that's hard. And, but let me tell you, it can be done. Because once you make that conscious will to do that and ask God to do that for you, then all you have to do is ask him, Lord, deliver me from and give him the list, okay? And, and, and you want him to deliver you from habits that are both old and current. 
Okay, why do I say? You became a new person. So they said that old man has passed away. You're a new man. You're a new man spiritually in Christ. But your old man, your soul, is still very present. <laughs> and that's what he has to deliver us from. Soul ties. And not ones that you got caught up with another individual. Just how you think. And then you ask him to give you a new way of thinking. Because if you don't change your thinking, your talk is going to stay the same and your walk is going to stay the same. So you have to ask him, give me a new way of thinking so I can walk differently and I can talk differently. We're supposed to leave behind old ways. He says, verse, uh, verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Okay, I'm going to tell you about, about, uh, about that, that statement later on, okay? But we're, we're to leave behind old ways. That means old habits, old values, old vices, old interests, and sin. Did y'all get that? Okay, if you don't leave that behind, you can't seek for things that are above. If you don't leave it behind, you can't seek for the things that are above. Now, let me read to you what my commentary said, which has some really good information. It says, these things include the things that are that uh, you're going to seek above. These things include deeper knowledge of Christ, closer fellowship with him, experience of his resurrection power, victory over sin, the development of godly virtues, the fulfillment of domestic and social responsibilities, and an effective prayer life, fruitfulness in witnessing, in a word, the attainment of Christian maturity, and all the spiritual benefit God has for his people during their days on earth. To have been raised with Christ and not to seek these blessings would be a contradiction. Now, I don't know if you all got all of this, but I think I need to, it bears repeating. It says, these things include deeper knowledge of Christ. Why would we need deeper knowledge of Christ? Because if you're in him and you become like him, you need to know who you are like. And you can't recognize who he is. If you're acting contrary to what he says, Amen. it says uh, a closer fellowship with him, a closer fellowship with him, which we've already talked about when you won't be praying at all times. Experience of his resurrection power. Hallelujah. That means whatever you're struggling with, whatever battle that you have, if you hang in there and fight the good fight of faith, through the spirit, you will rise above the situation and it can no longer hold on to you. Amen. Now, it's a battle, okay, and it's a struggle, but you will win because you have the best person on your side to get you through. Amen. If, if you hang in there, you will not lose. You will come out the winner. Because the victor lives within you. So you don't have to worry about how you're going to come out. What you got to fret on is hold on to me, God, and don't let me 
forfeit this time <laughs> so I can stay in the battle. Amen. Oh, okay. We have victory over sin. And the best way we can have victory over sin is submit to God. Then resist the devil and he shall flee. You have to submit to God. And if you're in denial about your stuff, there's no submitting. So without submitting to God, you don't have the power to resist. You don't have the power to resist the devil if you don't submit to God first. Amen. Amen. It says the development of godly virtues, mm, which is his fruit, the fruit of God's spirit is his godly virtues. And they are developed in us. And guess what? One by one. He don't give you all of that, all of his wonderful stuff at one time. Because he, that, if he tried to take all the mess off of us at one time, we would die. So he has to take one trait at a time off of us. And when he takes off one of our mess, he puts on one of his fruit. That's why, you know, people are, oh, I thought I was delivered. I, what's going on? Yeah, you were delivered from that thing that you prayed about, but there's far more you got to be delivered from. Amen. Deliverance will be going on to Jesus return to get us. Amen. 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 <laughs> it's never ending. Glory. The good news is that he takes you off the potter's wheel to give you a peace and a rest in between. He don't keep you on there continuously. Glory, glory, glory. And it says the fulfillment of domestic and social responsibilities. That's an interesting statement. But I like that. Fulfillment of domestic. Y'all know why I like that. Because the one thing, but I haven't asked for no deliverance from that. The one, the one problem I have not asked God to deliver me from is that perfection isn't when it comes to cleanliness. <laughs> and don't none of y'all pray and ask God to deliver me. <laughs> But domestic is not just cleaning, okay? <laughs> it's the natural things in our lives that we tend to separate like they're not part of Christ, okay? <laughs> and, and social responsibility. As believers, we socialize. We just don't socialize the way we did before Christ, okay? But we socialize, and we socialize mainly because God wants us to enjoy life, but that you can go in areas to, to be a witness to those in darkness. But now, if you're not free from what you used to be, don't go in, no, in those areas to witness until you get free so that you don't get snagged and, and tangled up by something okay don't be de don't be deceiving being overzealous and like you're gonna go to places I gotta let them know you need to know that you know that you're free before you go up into those places amen an effective prayer life y'all know all about that fruitfulness in witnessing so I think the fruitfulness is not so much of how many people you are able to lead to the Lord, but that you are able to go out and minister to folks and share your testimony or just share the things that you have learned by walking closely with Christ. That's the fruitfulness of it, that you're doing it. 
and you're doing it on a regular basis. I mean, you're not waiting for a certain day, oh, we're going to go out and witness. It's, it's not about that. that. You should be walking in the witness. Amen. And we should be just witnessing to f- close friends and, and, and relatives that are living contrary to the lifestyle that, um, uh, that they say or that you know is with God that's going to make a difference in their life. Okay, and it says attainment of Christian maturity. Christian maturity, that's never ending either. It's always ongoing, and we can grow, and we can learn from anyone and all sources. We can learn from children. Because, you, you, you know, I think people have this, this idea that because, of, because they're children, they can't tell you nothing. And, and, and some of the greatest things you can probably learn from, from a child, we need, to, we need to listen sometimes, okay? And, and all the spiritual benefits that God has for his people during their days on earth, we have many, many benefits. And if you don't know what they are, go to Psalms 103 and just read that every single day. You'll read off all of your benefits, and he covers every aspect of our lives. That is my hallmark scripture that I recite every day when it, and it starts out with bless the Lord oh my soul you're telling your soul come up come up bless God so that you can have the freedom and the peace that you need and then the other part is bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all of his benefits and then you start laboring off all of the benefits and it starts off with he has forgiven me of all my sins Heal me from all diseases. If you don't get any further than that, that's a blessing. But just keep on going because he delivered you from uh, uh, oppression and judgment. It says he fills your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. I wasn't going to go through that, but okay. It is rich, rich, rich. And so you need to come to know what uh, God's blessings are. We cannot be motivated or deceived by things that are true because this is what happened. The enemy wants to put before you stuff that is a, is a true fact, okay? And, and, and you, and you want to keep your focus on the true fact. Well, let me tell you, that's not going to work for you because truth is what makes you free, not true. All things, when I said don't, don't let him keep you deceived on true and good, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient, Amen. says 1 Corinthians 10, 23. So though it may be good, it don't mean that it's for you, Amen. okay? True, which means that which agrees with facts, okay? There's some true facts, but does it mean it's going to benefit you by listening, watching, you know, getting in agreement with it, how's it going to benefit you? It's not. Just because it's a fact, it's not going to edify you. It's not going to propel you towards something higher. It's just a true fact. Okay? Truth is that which agrees with final reality. Hope are the things it's the things of faith, which is you're believing in something that you can't see, but you truly have received in your heart. Because at the end of it, the reality shows up. So truth is 
to agree with a final reality. If God's hand is in it and he's telling you it's a final reality. And if I said, choose this particular word out of the Bible to cover what you're facing or what you're being challenged by, no matter whether it's your health or it's sin, when you do that, it is a truth. And it agrees with the end result, which is the final reality, which is victory. Facts are subject to change. By the power of the Holy Ghost, he will change a true fact. High glory. The truth is whatever is going on, hindering you, hurting you, or whatever the case may be, but you're not getting anything good out of it. That's a true fact. But by the power of God, it can be changed. (laughs) Glory. And that's the truth. Glory. Truth is everlasting from generation to generation. Psalms 105 confirms that. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to go back to three. It says, for you are dead and, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Dead to the old life by virtue of Christ dying on the cross. That's the only reason why, okay? And he died as our substitute. And, and we're also hid in Christ. Amen. So I want to read my commentary for that. And it says that uh, your life is deposited with Christ, who is an intimate relation with God, who's in an intimate relation with God. As all wisdom and knowledge reside in Christ, so the believer's new life is stored up in him. This means that the Christian life belongs to the spiritual or heavenly realm. I don't know if y'all getting that, but it's messing me up. Mm. Do y'all? Oh, my God. This means that the Christian life belongs to the spiritual or heavenly realm. Jesus is an intimate is in intimate relation with God. So are his followers. We're in a heavenly spiritual realm with God. The moment that we realize that and accept that we have the victory then. So are his followers, since the Colossians now belong to the heavenly realm, are intimate with God, they should seek those materials and interests pertaining to heaven and not to earth. Amen. Amen. That's our issue. We stay on this earthen level so that we become convinced of what we cannot do, what we can't have, what, what may not... This is why it is so important for us to study the word. Bible study is vitally important because this is when we get to understand and know more so that we can hold on and not let the cares of this world and the challenges of living overpower us and overtake us. It will. It doesn't matter who you are in Christ. It will. But the only reason why you see some who are being successful because they're holding on to the things that matter in order to keep their eyes on things that are above and not on things that are below. This earth is below. And, and there, is, there, there, there is no magical way of accomplishing this. There is no secret word that you can speak in and it's over. God, let, 
God is doing more in us than he is in the situation that you find in hell in right now. He's working stuff up out of us as we face the hell in our lives. Amen. And the challenges of life in, in, in our lives. He's doing a greater work in us. So some things, we can't just excuse it out and it's going to magically disappear. Some things is we got to work through them and come through. He says that he, that as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, that he would be with us. That's a valley. Exactly. It's not death itself. It's, and we, and he says that he, We'll go through that with us and we will come out of that valley. But you have to, what we want is just to remove the valley. But you can't because it's in the valley when we grow. That's why I said it's just a shadow of death. It just, it, it, it gives you a preview of what it's like to be dead. The wrong kind of death. Not the death that you're going to have that causes this body to leave your spirit so your spirit can go on with the Father. But he says, even so, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and your cup shall runneth over. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's the God that we serve. You see, we have a time of suffering, but when we come through, the end so overcompensate that it was all well worth it. That's why Paul said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you because the reward at the end is so far greater than all the hell we've gone through. Verse five says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Mortify means put to death. This is what the Bible tells us to do, and we work overtime to do what Satan say. Mm-hmm. Like, be selfish. Be more concerned about yourself than others. Always talk about your feelings and what your flesh is craving for, even though all of it will go to ashes. See, we put our focus on all of those things that are going to ashes at the end, okay? What's gonna live on is our soul. So that's why he tells us to, to put to death the things of the flesh and not make that a priority. And when he talk about the members in that chapter, he's talking about your physical body. To overcome our flesh, which is the physical body, we must focus on, lean on, depend upon, and follow the Holy Spirit's leading. This is why it's important that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? He will have you operate totally, the Holy Spirit will have you operating totally out of your character. That was the old nature or the, the, the nature that you practice for so long that you become. And he will take you and bring you into the new character, the new person who you are through Christ, which is, is the plan of God all along, okay? So when 
when the Holy Spirit is leading you and telling you to do something and it doesn't make sense to your natural mind, that's when you need to do it because that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, you need to run to it then if it don't make sense to your natural mind. And you know that's the Holy Spirit, okay? Because anything evil, wicked, and sinful would make sense to your natural mind. That's what our natural mind is all about before Christ. But things of Christ, remember, it's spiritual and heavenly. So it's going to cause you to rise above the situation. And so let's, let's talk about these things that they say for us not to focus on, fornication. And, and, and you'd be surprised at how many Christians don't even know what fornication means. And I'm not going to ask any of you. I'm not going to put you. Sex relations among the unmarried. Sex relations among the unmarried. Now, you know what? The reason I say this is because I've heard men, Christian men, who don't understand why some of the women in the church are still single and don't have a boyfriend. And I'm like, if you are a believer, you ought to know why. Oh, okay, because they're trying to stay clean and pure before the Lord. And when somebody come into their life, it was, it's for the intent of their thinking a possible marriage. They can't go around courting and dating everybody and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And, let, and, and setting yourself up for the possibilities of having to give in to something that you've already declared that you're not going to do. I hope <laughs> you made that declaration as a single person that you're not going to fornicate. Amen? Amen. Uncleanness, that which is defiled. So anything that will defile your soul, your spirit, your mind, you don't want to have any part of it. Amen. 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 Inordinate affections, which inordinate means passionate. That means inner feeling or emotion. Now, let's talk about that a little bit because the first thing people think about when you say passion is sex. Now, that, it may be inclusive, but I don't want to go there. That's the obvious. What about your, your plan or your desire that you want to accomplish, and it's a good thing, but it is not expedient right now for somebody else. And you are so passionate about it that you can't listen to what somebody has to say. That's just, that is just one simple fact that because it is not so blatantly evil, we don't pay any attention to it. And when you go all out of your way to get your point over at the expense of the receiver. Okay, evil concupiscence, that which is morally injurious, desire, sinful desires. So anything that uh, is going to affect someone's morals and um, sinful desires. Let me tell you, once it's a thought, if you don't cast that down, it's already a sin. See, a lot of people have, have thoughts, and they think because they didn't actually do the act, well, I'm okay. No, no, no. It's already a sin. The only way that it does not become a sin is when that thought hits you, you say, Lord, I cast down vain imagination 
and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Because see, when you say that, the Holy Spirit will take control of that thought so that it doesn't overpower you, okay? So you may have had the thought and you didn't act on it. It's still a sin. The only way that it isn't a sin is you give it to the Lord and you ask him to take that away from you by saying, you know, a, a scripture like that. Say that again, baby. Could you repeat what concupiscence is? Oh, that's um, immoral thoughts and desires. Thoughts and desires. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm trying mm -hmm. to get an understanding of that word. <laughs> yes, thoughts yes. Thoughts and evil thoughts and desires. Exactly, exactly. Amen. And there's a scripture in Matthew, uh, I think it's in, it's in Matthew, that talks about how um, these things that can that you can think of, a, yeah, it's more of a thought, you've already sinned, so you need to cut off stuff to keep from, from sinning, that just means to cast off those things so that you don't sin in them and not indulge in them because, because they're in your thought. Because we have a tendency to think, well, as long as I'm just thinking it and I don't speak it, then I'm okay. Well, no, because the action before it becomes an action had to be a thought first. You just don't act unless you're a robot. It had to be a thought first, so you want to put those thoughts under subjection to the word of God. So, because why? Because those inner thoughts are going to affect your heart and your soul. This is why the heart becomes so hardened, so when the word does come, it can't get in because the ground is too hard. You're, you're, you're listening, but you can't hear. And so, when, that's why I said it's a battle to work out our salvation. So we have to work hard at like eliminating those things through the word of God so our heart will be a good ground. And when we hear the word, it will go come in and it will labor in that area so that you can produce good fruit. It's verse 6. It says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience? He's saying, God cannot abide sin in any form and especially in his children, okay? So he will chastise us because he does not want, because when we allow sin to abide in us, then we have now caused a division between us and the Lord. And Jesus worked hard to bring us to reconcile back to God. So he, to keep from, the, hap, that, from that happening, God immediately, excuse me, with a believer, bring conviction, which means you become uncomfortable with, with something you said, thought, or done that is not in line with, what, with the Lord. You become so uncomfortable with it that you become miserable. Your peace is shot. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's God saying, you can't st stick with this. I need you to confess. I need you to repent. <laughs> so this is why we must humbly recognize and immediately confess our sins with a desire to change. Not just confessing, but with a desire to change. See, humility isn't thinking that you are so far above sin, which some of us think. I'm talking about some of us born-again, tongue-speaking Christians. 
think they so far above. Now, well, you know, we got some Christians who don't speak in tongues to think it too, so <laughs> I don't want to leave out that group as well. We must have enough humility so that we can consider how others are preceding our actions and ask God to reveal the truth to us so that he can change us and deliver us. You know, sometimes we may say something that you don't really think is going to harm, but you don't know the person that you're dealing with. And so if they're harmed by it, doesn't matter that that was not your intent, you still ask for forgiveness because that person was wounded by what was said. And, you know, you can say, I, I never intended to wound you or to hurt you, but uh, forgive me. And when you ask for forgiveness, you're doing this to, for God to re, uh, reveal to you your behavior for a change so that you can stop doing or saying the things that's wounding other people. Amen. Because you see, we don't often see ourselves as we should. And this is one of the reasons man should not be alone when God talked about that in Genesis. Okay. Why? To prevent self-deception, pride, and vanity. Amen. All right? I'm going on with verse 7, and then I'm going to stop. And the which you also walked sometimes when you were lived in them. It says, before Christ, we walked willingly, willingly in sin. We didn't know anything else. <laughs> That's what sinners do. Okay? But after Christ... There should be a conviction that will disturb your peace. You should not be comfortable walking in sin in Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to stop, stop here. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to close with a prayer of, of benediction in the name of Jesus. Father, first of all, I just thank you and I bless your holy name. And I thank you for blessing all of the technology in this church so that it'll work effectively and that people will be able to hear and get what they need to hear. We will not stand by ignorantly watching Satan because the uh, morning glory prayer have gone up to a higher, higher level. And so, of course, now it would affect our technology. We will not be deceived. And the people who are in communication, you will not be deceived and sit back. I want you to pray and seek God and claim and bless the, the technology in that booth as you're working back there and even when we have the mic up here so that nothing will interfere with the word of God going forth out into the air. We will not stand by and let Satan have his way with our, with our sound system, with our technology, with anything that gets the word out, get the information out to people who are not even present. God, we thank you. We thank you that you reveal this. We may not even need anybody to come in and fix anything. We just declare that Satan, your power will have, is, is annihilated is annihilated right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. For this is a blessed place. It is anointed place and it's covered with the blood of Jesus. And I want the members and the committee folks to stand up and rise up and be who God have called you to be and fight the good fight of faith and help me in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, we reach out and ask you to send your angels out to get believers who are now downtrodden, who don't have the motivation to come out and be committed to 
to uh, Bible study or to services because the cares of this world has carried them down. So we pray, Father, and lift up their hands like Aaron did Moses so that they will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Their faith will be elevated and they will have hope, Father, and not focus in on the causes of of our, our life that is not good. It doesn't edify a soul. God, we pray that your angels will bring them in, start a revival, Father, so that they can be renewed and refreshed and reconciled to the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Oh, how we need to hear from heaven, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Open hearts to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us the church in this season a censor that needs reckoning now send your angels out lord to bring in the souls to hear what your spirit is speaking for believers to be convicted and the lost to be converted send your spirit to quicken the dead and rebellious souls into the light the truth and saving knowledge of jesus christ we come to you with repentant hearts to stand in the gap with our prayers as you lift up a hedge against the powers wealth and heathenistic attitudes of politicians who are trying to close up the church in the mouths of spiritual saints. Father, you said the gates of hell should not prevail against your church. We repent for not seeking to have knowledge of your word, for letting fear replace faith, and for a lack of hope which has kept us back from standing therefore. So we go in intercessory prayer and in action to push back the gates of hell with our praise and free worship. We believe, Lord, but help our unbelief. We stand with you in the power of the Holy Ghost to think, believe, speak, and walk by your spirit until Jesus returns for us. We plead the blood of Jesus over America, over the body of Christ, and over our government to maintain our constitutional rights and freedom to worship as we please. Because Jesus lives and lives in us, we live. We're not just surviving, but we're living in Jesus. And we push back in the name of Jesus, the prince of the air, to declare that God's truth will prevail over this body of believers or over your church as a whole and lies deceit or transformation of understanding will be rendered powerless in Jesus name. Now I pray traveling mercies for you as you go forth uh, to do what you plan to do with your day and as you go forth tell somebody about Jesus in Jesus name. Amen.